Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Are you ready for the Bible? Yes. All right, Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20 says this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We love you and we worship you, and it's our privilege, Lord, to come and to worship you. It's our privilege to come and, Lord, to hear your word and to grow in you, grow closer to one another. And uh, right now, we just give you our time, we give you our attention, and I just believe that you're going to speak to each one of us, Lord, even as you speak to all of us. God, that you have a word for us, and uh, our hearts are open. And uh, we trust you, we trust your word. And uh, just let our time with you, Father, be transformative. We love you, we worship you, Jesus. You are our hero, and we honor you today. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So I I am um, excited about the new year. Um, I'm very hopeful, have a lot of expectation. Last year, as a church family, we had this uh, theme of prayer all year long. And uh, I'm just so proud of how well our church did with it. I feel like everybody's prayer muscles grew over this last year. And uh, we're going to keep on praying. Um, But uh, we have a new theme for this year that I want to introduce to you in the message today. Uh, This is a theme that myself and the leaders of the church, we've been uh, talking and praying and planning over and just have great anticipation about what God has for us as a church family. It's, It's awesome to watch how God can work in our individual lives, and how he can work in our lives corporately as a, as a church family. And uh, if you're new, you just know that we're just going to treat you like you've been here forever, and uh, that we're honored that you're here, and that you can just jump in with both feet. You don't have to learn a special handshake or you know special words or anything that. You don't have to learn the top 10 Christianese words to get in or anything like that. We're glad you're here, glad that you, you want to be part of the family. Uh, I want to start this morning in John chapter 1, and uh, in verses 29 through 34, John the Baptist, um, who was the forerunner before Jesus, he identifies that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this is before Jesus' ministry really gets started, and he explains, John the Baptist explains that he saw the Spirit come on Jesus at baptism, and that Jesus indeed is the chosen one. For those of you chosen fans out there, that's actually in the Bible, chosen one. And uh, so I'm going to pick up in John chapter 1, verse 35. They're near the Jordan River, and this is what happens. The next day, John, this is John the Baptist, was there again with two disciples. Would you all say two disciples? Two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? I always find this kind of funny. They're just like following Jesus, you know? It's like, they're like, you know, just following, right? It's like, 
what do you want? And they're like, where are you staying? I'm like, that today would be so creepy. Right? Like culturally for us, we would be like, nah, start again, buddy. <laughs> right? Um, but uh, apparently this was not culturally weird or anything like that. And so the two disciples, um, that is, one of them is Andrew. And uh, he, they were all, he was already a follower, these two disciples. They were followers of John the Baptist. And we would know that Andrew would have been kind of like an early adopter, if you will, not only because when John the Baptist says, there's the Lamb of God and he follows him, but just the fact that he's there and he's John the Baptist's disciples. Because you know, John the Baptist is, is going around and he's preaching repentance and he's, he's baptizing people and he's getting people ready for Jesus coming, right? And so he's out there. And so Andrew's already a follower of John the Baptist. And we're watching in this scripture, this transition from him following John the Baptist to now following Jesus. He's basically saying, well, I'm going to get an upgrade. I mean, if that's the Lamb of God who takes us away the sin of the world, peace, John the Baptist. Love you, bro. It's been great, but I'm going to follow that guy. Y'all following me? And so um, John the Baptist does his job well. He's getting everybody ready. And we see that with this transition with, with um, Andrew. And so these two disciples are following Jesus, Andrew and somebody else. And they want to know where Jesus is staying. And Jesus replies in verse 20, 39, Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying. They spent the night with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and had followed Jesus. I just gave you the information that it was Andrew a little early. Verse 41, the first thing, would you all say first thing? The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. Y'all remember I preached in December that word Messiah or Christ means king. We have found the king and he brought him, brought Peter to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which we, uh, when translated is Peter. Just after like just one day with Jesus, Andrew is compelled to go and get his brother. We have found the king, right? And he brought him to Jesus just after spending one day. That simple act of bringing Peter to Jesus would change the trajectory of Peter's life forever. Forever. You know, when you and I introduce someone to Jesus, it may change the trajectory of their life forever. Amen? It could change their life forever, just making that introduction. Um, I remember when my parents, uh, my brother remembers this, he was a little younger than I. Uh, he was four years younger. I was 15, he would have been 11. Mom and dad decided to go back to church. I was not excited about going back to church. I liked doing whatever it was I was doing on Sundays. And, uh, and mom and dad went back to church, and I, I did not believe the Bible. I didn't believe the story. I didn't believe Jesus was real. So I quickly just declared to my parents I was atheist, and they kind of had that wait what moment. We, you know, we didn't raise you to be atheist. And I said, well, yeah, but I know enough about this book to know that Jesus wants all of me, and unless I'm sure, there's no way I'm giving my whole life to Jesus. I, I just kind of reasoned it out in my 15-year-old brilliant mind, right? And um, 
So I developed a relationship with the youth pastor. One of the reasons was is I got in so much trouble as a teenager that whenever I was in trouble, the only thing I could do was church. So if I wanted out of the house, it was going to be to go to church and be at the youth group, right? And so I basically lived uh, in the youth group because uh, I had, well, you, you aren't interested in the stories of me getting trouble. So, um, <laughs> so we, we spent a lot of time together. And the thing is, I would go to the youth pastor and we would talk about the Lord and that kind of stuff. I'd tell him where I stood. And over time, I graduated from atheist to agnostic. I'm like, yeah, I think there probably is a creator. But I don't know if it's the one the Bible talks about. I just kind of was on this journey. But I would go to him with my problems. As a matter of fact, once I ran away from my, my parents and I ran away to my youth pastor's house. Apparently, I was not good at this, which is good. Um, and I would tell the youth pastor, I'd be like, so... I got these problems, I got these challenges, my parents and I aren't getting along, basically because they didn't let me do what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, and I, I talked to him, and he would sit with me, and he would listen, and he would just look at me and goes, Mike, you just need Jesus. And I'd be like, I don't want that answer. I want a different answer. Anybody ever been there? Right? It's like, give me a different answer. I want a book, I want 10 steps, I want a way out. I don't want Jesus, I just want it better. And of course, I'm talking to a youth pastor, right? And so he just keeps on looking at me, and over, just over and over, week after week, month after month, he'd be like, Mike, you just need Jesus in your life. And I'd be like, just throw up my hands with a guy, right? But you know, the simplicity and the elegance of we just need the Lord in our lives. That there are things that God can do. There are things that God will do in our lives when we invite him and when we um, bring our lives up under him that nothing in this world, no wisdom of the world can solve or do like our God can. And the simplicity of, my friend, at the end of the day, who you need is actually more important than what you need right now. And there's, there's these moments where you and I, we, we interact with people who they have real challenges, and I'm not diminishing, I mean, like real things that we go through, that people around us go through, and, and we have ways that will be like, well, maybe you should do this, and maybe you should do that. But we can't leave out the answer of, can I tell you and introduce you to Jesus and what the Lord might have for you? Because what he has is better than anything else that I can offer you. Who we introduce people to is more important than all the wisdom and the information that we have. Peter's life, when Andrew would bring him to Jesus, would be changed forever. The, the coming transformation is seen in when Jesus first speaks to Peter, Jesus looks at him and he says, you are Simon, son of John. He calls him by his name and he says, you will be called Cephas or you will be called Peter, Jesus changed the man's name. That's a bold move, right? I mean, moms have that ability. Dads have that ability to name someone, right? Who does Jesus think he is? The creator of the universe? Yes. And he has the authority to rename someone. But you, your, your name has something to do with your, your identity. And Jesus is looking at Peter and he says, this is who you are, but I am going to shape you into this. I'm going to transform you from Simon into Peter and um, transform Peter's identity. Jesus has the authority 
to transform and to shape our identity. Now, I've got to say, that can be very offensive for some people, right? Like what my 15-year-old self would have said, oh, no, that's one of the reasons why I don't want to serve him. It's because I'm afraid of what he's going to make me. He's going to make me into some Bible-thumping, you know, like just some like weirdo kind of thing. And sure enough, he has. <laughs> all right, maybe I'm not a thumper, but I'm all about the Bible. I'm not going to deny that. But you know, the thing is, is as you, the reason we introduce people to Jesus is because Jesus is trustworthy. The reason we introduce people to Jesus is because Jesus already does love them. The reason that we introduce people to Jesus is because he is their creator and he knows them and he knows what's better for them, better than I know for them, better than they know for them, better than anyone. And the reason we introduce people to Jesus is because Jesus gave up his life for them. And people should get to know that there's someone who loves you enough that has already given up his life for you. And he still loves you, and he loves you right where you are. He loved you before you ever even knew he existed. People should have that privilege of knowing that information. Amen? And as we come to know Jesus, and as we come to trust Jesus, we begin to say, you know what, Jesus? I take my hands off, and I say, yes, you may shape my identity, because I trust you as my creator to shape me into what you have um, intended me to be. Amen? And that's a trusting, allowing him to mold the clay of your life rather than the need to have the control myself, which is way overrated. You know, I know I wanted control over my life, and I found out quickly it wasn't working. And oftentimes what we find out is it's not working. And we have to remember that for people that we love who don't have the Lord in their life, that they don't, they don't have that one to shape and to lead and to guide them. And Jesus is a game changer. Amen? Going on in, uh, on in the Scripture, John 1, chapter, verse 43 says this. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathaniel. Would you all say, Philip found Nathaniel? Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about the prophets also and whom excuse me and about whom the prophets also wrote Jesus of Nazareth the son of Joseph Nazareth can anything good come from Nazareth Nathaniel asked come and see said Philip when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching he said to him here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathaniel says, asked. <laughs> it's pretty bold. Jesus answered, I saw you when you were under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, and you are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descend, descending on the Son of Man. I want to give you a picture of what's happening here. They're all near the Jordan River, which is where John the Baptist is, is doing his baptisms, right? These, these guys, um, uh, 
Andrew, Peter, and Philip. They're all from Bethsaida, which is about 18 miles away. So they're not home. They're all traveling. You all follow me? Andrew's one of of, uh, John the Baptist's disciples. So he's probably living there near the Jordan River with John the Baptist as his follower. And verse 44 explains how they're all from this, this town that's away. Those who were not already John the Baptist's disciples had traveled that 18 miles just to be there. That meant that Peter, that meant that Nathaniel, that that meant that Philip, these guys were hungry for God because they're out there basically listening to this revivalist, John the Baptist, at the Jordan River. They're out there watching these baptisms, watching this move of God, and just having this sense in their heart and mind like God is up to, to something. And this time, Jesus seeks out Philip and calling Philip to follow him. And Philip Uh, What does he do? He goes and he finds Nathanael. Are you all seeing a pattern here? Philip goes and finds Nathanael, explaining, we have found the one that Moses is talking about. And Philip shares that it's Jesus of Nazareth, which is is funny because Nazareth, they're like, hold on. There's like a colloquialism of that day where Nathanael is like, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Like, you know, it was their version of whatever state you look down to in the United States. I'm not going to say it online and and on my podcast for eternity because some of y'all are from those states. And um, (laughs) it's not really about that, right? But um, I know y'all are like, oh, let him just say, oh, he's got that one. What I found is everyone has a state. Yeah, you're right. You go to this state, that state, you know, go to the states that, and they're like, oh, but at least I'm not from such and such. I was like, oh, everybody does it. Everybody does it. Um, And so when Philip shares that he's from Nazareth, he's like, can anything good come out of there? Because it doesn't make sense to him. And there's some scriptural reasons as well. They were looking for a Messiah that would come out of Bethlehem. Well, what they didn't realize was that Jesus was actually born in Bethlehem and then later on would relocate to Nazareth, right? So they're just kind of like these theological questions that are going on in their mind. Can anything come? And Philip just says, come and see. Come and see for yourself. You know, that's really powerful for us, right? Just come and see for yourself. When Nathaniel comes, Jesus says that he saw him under the fig tree. That, that phrase is, is kind of a lightning phrase for us in our day, right? I see you. We use that phrase in our, our day and age, right? That was enough for Nathaniel to believe and to say, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. How quickly he changed because Jesus basically had a word of knowledge. I see you and I saw you under the fig tree and you are a man in whom there's no deceit. And apparently Nathaniel was a pretty upstanding guy. And he was like, well, You got it right, you know. And the thing is, is that Jesus sees us before we understand him. And the people in your life around you, Jesus sees your friend and understands your friend before they understand Jesus. Now, y'all, we got to capture this. This is so important. Jesus sees that family member that you love so much and understands that family member before they understand Jesus. You see, Jesus understands us before we understand him, right? 
And so sometimes we'll think, well, I don't know. I don't know if I should invite them to church. I don't know if I should talk to them about Jesus. I don't know. It might feel awkward. It might feel different. I'm like, what if something doesn't happen and things like that? Sometimes we just need to put the reins in Jesus' hand and say, hey, just come and see and just see what Jesus does. Because see, you're not the Savior, and I'm not the Savior, but He is the Savior. And He has been saving people. He's been drawing people. He's been, I want to use the word convince um, lightly, because it's not like he's, he's trying to make some great case for them, but he has been drawing people to understand him for eons. And he knows how to draw people that he has created. Our job is to introduce people to Jesus. It's funny, that is actually the, the mission statement of Young Life. It is to introduce young people to Jesus. Jesus reveals himself to them right? Jesus does the convincing, if you will. Jesus is the one who does the transformation, and Jesus is the one who brings people to himself. He's really, really good at it, and you and I can trust him to do that. Philip said, come and see, and I love that phrase because come and see isn't a, I have to convince you, I have to to figure, figure out how to do this. No, just come and see. It's just like, come and experience God for yourself. Come and learn about God yourself. And one of the things I appreciate about this atmosphere is you do not have to be a, a follower of Jesus to be in this room. You can just come and find out about him. We're, we're okay with it. I mean, we're obviously clear about what we believe and things like that. But like, it's a safe place to say, hey, I've got some questions. I, I was having um, breakfast with someone recently and um, they were, they've been sharing Jesus with a friend of theirs who's been kind of like curious. You ever met somebody like that? Just curious? And they're asking hard questions like, why is there you know, evil in the world? And why do things, you know, all, all, all the hard questions that come up. And um, this person sat down with me and they said, you know, I, hey, I want to bounce some of these questions. I'm getting harder questions than I can answer. And the first thing I said is, never feel bad about saying, I don't know the answer. It's okay. Sometimes as believers, we think we have to have all the answers. You are finite. You do not have all the answers. I do not have all the answers. He has all the answers, but our brains aren't big enough. Amen? And so we were just talking about questions and things like that, and he was doing a great job uh, fielding questions and things like that, and it was just a great conversation. A few weeks later, he says to me, you know, my friend has been going to church, and he says, each time he goes to church, God answers a question he was asking. Come on, y'all. Right? And ain't that the way the Holy Spirit works? The Holy, there is a question in someone's mind, and here's the thing. I don't think God's intimidated by the hard question. I don't think that bothers him. He knows the question, and he has people all over the planet who are listening to his voice and who are led by his spirit and who say, you know, today, church, this is the thing we're going to talk about. And somebody goes, I was just thinking about that. I was, and and the Lord is working both sides of the equation. And I think for us, one of the things we need to do is we just need to let God work, amen? But we have to do our part too. And our part is, is bringing people and being honest about what Jesus has done in our lives our testimony of what he's done, and then being willing to say, um, I would love for you to meet with God. I'd love for you to know him 
deeply because I'm convinced that he loves you. I know uh, when we were at Bethlehem Walk and and in the end in the tent where we're sharing with people with the Lord and what they've seen, one of the things the Lord kept giving me to, to share with people is, do you feel close to God? And there's a lot of people who believe that a God exists, but they don't feel close to him. More importantly, there's a lot of people who don't know that you can feel close to God. I I just take it for granted now in my life. Like feeling close to God is like one of my favorite things. Like it's a, a daily thing that I look forward to is knowing that I can be close to him and that he already loves me. Y'all, we are not high pressure salespeople. Um, this is people encountering their creator who already loves them and already has a plan for them. What we can know is we know that God loves our friends. We can know God loves our family. We can know what he has already done for them. And we can know that he always has a plan forward for anyone who wants to follow him. And I want to ask, who is the family member that you need to bring to Jesus? And I mean it like, like, um, Andrew did with Peter. I mean like Nathaniel uh, or Philip did with Nathaniel. Like, who's the person that you need to, or who's the person that you need to say, hey, listen, I know you have a lot of questions. Just come and see. Just come and see and let God work. I'm excited because our, our theme this year for 2024 is outreach. And um, that, that theme comes from this great commission. In Matthew 28, verse 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, which if I had like lots of time and preach two hours to you every week, I'd just sit on a few of these things and just talk to you forever about how amazing it is that God would call us to go to all nations, that all peoples of the planet, how much he loves every person on this planet and wants them to know about Jesus. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. Why do we teach uh, one another to obey everything that he's commanded? Because what he has commanded is good. Don't sleep around. Don't steal. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> these are things that we're like, yeah, those are probably really good things. Don't be a liar. Yeah, that's, that's good. Amen? And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What a beautiful thing for Jesus to say to the disciples who've been following him for three years. He's about to, after he's now resurrected, he's going to go up to heaven and await the second coming. And he says, I am with you until the end of the age. You know, when you are sharing Jesus with somebody you love, when you're talking to them about Jesus, Jesus is with you to the very end of the age. He is there for you. He is close to you. And more importantly, he cares about the person that you are sharing with. You know, our our mission statement as a church, kind of like our guiding principle for like everything we do, is connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus. That applies to people who are far from Jesus, that don't know him. We don't look down. We say, hey, the invitation is open. The door is open. You know, come and see. You can can come and hang out here and and not believe. And and, um, and, and we're, we're just glad you're here. Take your time getting to know him because we believe that the more time you spend with him, you will know him for yourself, and that's really our goal. We're connecting people with Jesus, not just a church, right? After you're connected with Jesus, you feel like, oh, I have a a spiritual family 
as well. They go hand in hand. But the goal is we want people to be connected with Jesus because he's the one who transforms lives, right? And the thing, what's great is that same um, mission statement applies to all of us who are believers. I want to still be connected to Jesus day by day by day because he is still transforming my life day by day by day. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is a lifelong journey. This year, I'm excited because we have local outreaches planned. Uh, we have things planned for our life groups. We have things planned. Uh, we have a, an, an international missions trip planned later on this year. All stuff that I'll, I'll share with you over the next coming weeks. But it really starts with this principle of, and this concept of, is there somebody in my life that, like Andrew, I need to bring to Jesus? Is there someone in my life that, like Philip, I need to just say, hey, come and see. Because I, I just believe in God. He's so real to me. I feel close to him. And I know that he wants to be close to you. I know he can do for you what you need because he's done for me what I need. And I know that he loves, loves me. Amen? I want to tell you today, you in this room, you can have a relationship with Jesus. One of the things I love about him is that he, you can know that he already loves you. He already does see you. He knows who you are. For some of us, that can be very intimidating because we think of all the ugly stuff that's inside of us. Do you know that Jesus went to a cross because of all the ugly stuff inside of you, all this ugly stuff inside of me? He went and paid our debt in advance for us and said, I'm going to take care of all that shame, all of that guilt, all, everything that is in your life because I want to give you a fresh start, a new beginning, make you a new creation. Doesn't mean you're perfect, but you are transformed. His Holy Spirit has the ability to transform you. And as a follower, he transforms us into the identity that he has for us. I want to tell you today that if you don't have that closeness with him, if you don't have that knowing that I, I've given my life over to him, I want to tell you it's not complicated. It's a heart thing. It is, a, it is you going to him and saying, God, I want you in my life. And I want, I want to receive the forgiveness that you have for me. And I, I want to follow you rather than myself. And in that moment, we relinquish control and we say, God, you are the master and you're a master that I trust. You are my father and you are a father that I can trust. You are the one who is worthy of my worship and my love. And you spend a journey, a lifetime of knowing him and growing in him and coming close to him. And I want to tell you today, if you've never taken that step, Today is a great day to do it. It's a new year. It's January 7th, 2024. Everyone should have a day in their life. My day was May 5th, 1992. Someday I'll tell you the story of it. May 5th, 1992, I said to the Lord, I said, okay, I'm done with me, and I'm ready to follow you. And I got to tell you, best decision of my life. Best, I, I, it, it hasn't always been easy, but I've always known the love of God in my life, and I've always known that he has a way forward no matter what I face in my life. He is a good God to serve. Come and see. Amen. If you're making that decision, if you're online today watching or listening to the podcast, you can go to victorychristian.church and click on next steps. 
and just fill out that those brief little form there, and we will reach out to you this week, and we just want to pray with you and rejoice with you. If you're in the room today and you're like, I, I, want, to, um, uh, I want to receive Christ in my life, um, I would love for you to come up and allow me to pray for you um, and pray with you and rejoice with you. Uh, would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to close with a prayer. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come up, and uh, you might have something in your life that you just need somebody to stand and pray with you. I've got good news for you today. We have people who just, they, we believe in miracles. We believe that God's working. And if you're facing something, you're like, I just, I really need God to move in this area in my life, or I just need somebody to pray with me with something. Maybe I'm looking for direction, that kind of thing. We've got folks who are willing to pray with you today. It would be our privilege. Let me take a moment and pray. Father, we love you. And uh, Jesus, everyone in this room is in this room because somewhere along the way, somebody brought us along. Somebody thought, oh, let's introduce them to Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for that privilege and that responsibility. Lord, I know that in this room, there are people that we each care about, people who are far from you. And uh, Lord, who they desperately, they need your love in their lives, Lord Jesus. So, Father, we bring them to you, Lord. We recognize today that while we have a role in bringing people to you, Lord, you're the one who meets with their heart. You're the one who answers the question. You're the one who draws them. And we recognize, God, that your role, Father, in bringing people to yourself. Lord, we honor you today, and we pray that you would make us useful, Lord Jesus. I pray as we enter into this year, Lord God, I know for each individual, God, you have plans, Father, for us. You have plans for growth and plans for, Lord, a way forward. Father, you see what is ahead of us. And God, you're already waiting in our tomorrows. And we just say, God, for this year, we trust you. We trust you with our future. We trust you with what's ahead. And we say, God, we will uh, give you our heart, our allegiance, our trust today. We worship you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.